Vince Cerf is one of the few people who can legitimately claim to have invented the internet. He was co-designer of the key protocols that govern how the internet works, TCPIP. It was part of a, a military project to uh, connect a bunch of uh, computer science departments around the United States who were doing research on artificial intelligence and computer science, and the Defense Department wanted them to share their computing resources and their software. That was back in the mid-1970s. We were effectively looking for standards that could be implemented both by the communication systems, by the things that link them together, which we then called gateways, today we call them routers, and of course the machines at the edge. And so the vision that we had might not be precisely what we're seeing today, but it was certainly the idea that any computer should be able to talk to any other computer through any number of networks uh, on a global scale and have it work. And I would say that we were pretty successful with that. Vince Cerf is now 76 and still working at the frontier of tech as chief internet evangelist for Google. But in mid-March, both Vint and his wife were struck down with COVID-19. We had just been in London for 10 days and we'd gone to many different meetings, hundreds of people in, you know, in uh, various settings, cocktail parties, uh, speeches, dinners. So I'm pretty sure that's where we picked this thing up. About five days after we got back, around mid-March, uh, I started showing the classic symptoms. Uh, we went to be tested, and that was hard uh, by itself, trying to find somebody who would actually do the testing. Um, and, uh, and then at that point, um, we just had to wait because there was no treatment. Uh, and the thing that was hard was not the actual physical uh, disease, which was, as I say, mild symptoms for both of us, it was not knowing whether it was going to get worse. And you know, we were hearing reports of all the people ending up in hospitals and having to be put on ventilators and things like that. And, of course, you don't know you know, during the course of this thing whether it's going to get worse or whether you, go, you will get better. By good fortune, we very slowly regained energy, but it took about three weeks. He says the pandemic has rightly brought into question many of the things we take for granted. I'm particularly worried about, in general, the dependence we have on a variety of infrastructures, whether we're talking about the road system or power generation and distribution or water or uh, supply chains, which we've discovered how easily, uh, easily they can be disrupted by things like the COVID-19 pandemic. So uh, we should be thinking right now about how to make our infrastructure more resilient, more capable of uh, coping, uh, with this kind of disruption, uh, or at least how to do rapid reconstitution in the event of, of major disruptions. You talk about future-proofing technology. Are you worried about things at a human level? You know, we outsource so many of our skills to technology that if we lose that technology for whatever reason, that we won't be able to find our way? Well, when uh, convenience, of course, uh, is a very persuasive um, situation. I mean, people give up privacy in exchange for convenience. They, they give up a lot of things in exchange for convenience. Uh, think about uh, the rapid uh, growth of uh, you know, delivery of groceries or other things directly to your homes. Amazon you know, has grown up on that uh, capability and the pandemic has increased that uh, tendency you know, for food deliveries and things like that. So uh, we get very quickly accustomed to convenience and we're not willing to give it up uh, you know, very easily. Um, at the same time, one does wonder what happens when all that convenience isn't feasible because you know, the supply chains are broken or other kinds of things are, are interfering uh, with success. Do we have any backup?
And I confess to you, I worry about that. And we survived, the world survived the 1918 pandemic, which was worse than this one, in, at least in terms of total numbers of deaths. On the other hand, they didn't have internet in order to uh, survive, and, and yet they did. So that tells us that there is a way to survive without the internet. Not that he's predicting we'll need to anytime soon. In fact, when I asked Vint for his tech predictions, the theme was clear. A world with more internet access, not less. The arrival of the smartphone dramatically uh, increased people's access to the internet and it, it um, mutually reinforced the value of both because the mobile allowed you to get access to the internet anywhere you'd get a signal and the internet made the mobile more useful because of all the content and all the applications that, uh, that you could exercise with it. So we can see that trend continuing. Uh, we can see increasing amounts of fiber being pulled under the, under the ocean to link the continents together at higher and higher capacities. We're seeing uh, the uh, low-Earth orbit satellite phenomenon, which is yet to prove itself, but if it works with 25 or 40,000 satellites in low-Earth orbit, it'll be hard to, to avoid access to the Internet by the end of this, this decade. Um, we're also, uh, I am anyway, very excited about another revolution for the network, and that's the interplanetary extension of the Internet. It, that work has been underway since 1998. It became very, very uh, important in 2004 when uh, the prototype software that was being designed for interplanetary communication and extension of the Internet was needed uh, in order to uh, essentially uh, recover communications from Mars to Earth uh, from the two landers, the Spirit and Opportunity, that arrived in uh, January of 2004. So the team I worked with at, uh, at JPL um, uh, uploaded prototype software into the rovers and into the orbiters around Mars in order to relay information back uh, to, uh, to Earth in order to make sure that the missions could get all their data. And of course, for the last, uh, well, do the math, 15 years or so, uh, all the rovers and landers uh, that have arrived have been using uh, those um, uh, prototype software uh, in order to get the data back. We're running the standardized version of the interplanetary internet on the International Space Station and those standardized protocols which have been agreed uh, uh, internationally uh, are intended to be used for the Artemis mission which is the return to the moon uh, that, uh, that NASA is undertaking. So we have international agreement on the use of protocols to effectively extend, um, I would say, rich networking or richer networking across the solar system. And uh, for me anyway, that's kind of like living in the beginning of a science fiction story. A story with many more chapters to come. Remember to hit subscribe for our regular videos. And while you're here, check out our past episodes.